what kind of diver are you? You're on a high dive. Are you a swan diver? Backflip? <laughs> are you coming out with this with a cannonball? I'm a cannonball girl. <laughs> <laughs> So, Michelle, we got a little goofy intro, but you're, are you ready? I am ready. Are awesome. you ready? Ty, you ready? Sure. All right. <laughs> timeout. Tyler, who are we taking a timeout with today? Kevin, good to see you again, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, in the 585716 and the million, uh, what is it, area codes where I am, we have <laughs> Michelle Ashby, the founder and CEO of Tipping Point Communications. Michelle, thanks for being on the show. We're happy to have you. Going to fire some questions away. I really like to ask, though, Michelle, coming out of the gate to really get to understand our guest is what kind of diver are you? You're on a high dive. Are you a swan diver? Backflip? <laughs> are you coming out with this with a cannonball? I'm a cannonball girl. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely a cannonball girl. <laughs> good, good. Okay. <laughs> That's noted so all right well while we're asking you to come to the diving board um and we asked for the anthem <laughs> michelle ashby's anthem what are you requesting that we play as you step out to that diving oh, board? oh all right well i my all-time favorite song that i say i'm gonna when I, when I have my funeral my girlfriends all know that they have to play uh the new radicals you only get what you give <laughs> yes <laughs> don't give up yeah dude <laughs> one chance left that yeah, one yeah that one, that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah michelle right on <laughs> well hey if, if if you're at your funeral right now and you can have four guests there of all time but you're still sort of alive you're a ghost oh, who are those geez. four guests oh my goodness okay i would say martin luther king jr i'd really love to meet him if he was alive but apparently <laughs> i'm dead we can all hang out together um i would say i would want my mom to be with me she she's still alive right now but i'm sure she would be into seeing uh, uh martin luther king i always would love to have met uh gandhi and uh i would say dave grohl from the food fighters right. <laughs> wow Wow. Solid All right. Quite the eclectic group. That is quite <laughs> And we'd have yeah. lots to talk about. So Tyler is flying back up from Dallas, Fort Worth area. And Michelle, you and I are picking them up from the airport. And you say, we got to go try this food. What What is your top spot in Rochester? And what's that top dish? Yeah. Tapas, uh, which is on St. Paul Street. My all-time favorite restaurant in town, and I always get the calamari salad with the calamari extra crispy. Ooh. <laughs> and they get those olives filled with cheese, I think, there, y'all. Uh... <laughs> I know I know I've also had the mussel fr uh, frites, those which are amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that place okay. is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I like the lighting. It's dark. Yeah. It's dark, it's, it's, very it's dark. Intimate. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't you don't feel like you're really in Rochester. You can kind of walk into another country and you know, just feel like you're on vacation for an hour and a half or three or four times. I need that. <laughs> <laughs> <Or four. laughs> well, Michelle, say you're driving on, I don't know, five ninety four what is it, four ninety to get from Buffalo to uh That's the ninety. That's the ninety. Okay. Um what uh you have a billboard, right, that you're creating. 
what would you want your billboard to say for every passenger driving to work in the morning? What's your message? Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> All right. Namaste your day. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I honor the light in you and, and the light in me honors everyone on their way to work. Be happy, be cool, love each other. I, I'm feel, I'm feeling your energy this morning, Michelle. <laughs> I, I'm on that island time vibe too. Is uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Hold the door for others. You know, do those small actions of kindness uh, because you yeah. know you have no idea on how that uh, is going to impact their day. You don't know where people are and what what they just dealt with. Exactly. The hour them. Unless we ask and and kind of given. Um, just looking at your history, I, I always find it fascinating to, to follow almost like your journey. Um, but you started as an account executive. I started as an account executive. Tyler started as an account executive. Can really? you walk us through um, <laughs> what that was like coming out of college? You know, we have big dreams, we have big aspirations, and then all of a sudden we become account executives. But what did you learn from that experience that has helped you to be that leader at Tipping Point today? Um, I have to say my account executive experiences were amazing. They were the best jobs ever. Um, my first one was in Cincinnati for Gannett and I was, um, covering somebody who was out on maternity leave and I had the downtown Cincinnati route. Wow. So every day I was walking in my high heels down the sidewalks to all these cool jewelry stores and retail stores. And those were my clients. And, you know, in my twenties, it was, it was like Melrose place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was loving life. I was making a boatload of money. Then I met um, some people from the rock station in Cincinnati and uh, my job in print got a whole lot more interesting when I got into radio um, working for a rock radio station in the um, 80s 90s which is you know so I worked at multiple ones it was the best job out of college anybody could have had it was fabulous we had um, concert tickets to every show that came into town you know, it was a huge market. So we had you know, celebrities in and out of our um, studios. Um, you know, we had the Bengals, we had the Reds players in and out. Chris Collinsworth was just working down the hall. Um, you know, Boomer Esiason was like in and out of the office all the time and just, you know, rock bands constantly in and out of the office it was a blast so that to me I guess would be my um what I brought from that was that you just got to have fun and whatever you choose to do make sure that your job provides some fun for you and laugh and enjoy what you do because you're going to be there uh many hours of every day exactly why we do this kevin right to, to break the week up have a good laugh with the ceo founder and michelle <laughs> thanks for sharing that and, and can and michelle i haven't really done much homework I, I like i said we were, i was up late last night with the baby girl <laughs> can you dive in a little bit about um i want to ask you how you got the tipping point 
um, and how, when did you create it? Why did you create it? But can you give us a little briefing on what Tipping Point uh, on what Tipping Point is? Yeah. Yeah, we're a full service ad agency now, but we started in 2005 as just a media buying company. Um, so now we're doing everything from audio, video, branding, um, logo designs to uh, we're, we're very, very specialized in public relations and all things related to pitching stories, crisis communications, all that. And we still do media buying. So. Wow. That's a lot. Um, I don't even know how you keep it all straight um, because uh, you're probably doing a lot of work given the crisis that we just went through um, during the pandemic. And I think kind of we're still in it. Uh, we're still seeing and, and understanding where that where that baseline is. But undoubtedly, everybody seemingly evolved through the over the last three years, whether it's what they prioritize, what they are choosing to spend their time on, um, all of those things. How did you need to change as a leader um, during those the, that time uh, with your team um, because of the crisis and, and you being an expert for your clients and navigating crisis and how to communicate effectively through it? Did you just turn a lot of those best practices internally? How did you navigate the, the that that turbulent time for your organization or or the world? Excuse me. Yeah, it required a lot of uh, meditation and self-reflection, that's for sure, because my driving type A personality really had to step back and um, think more about not only my family, but the families of everybody who works at Tipping Point, not, not to mention our clients. I mean, there were people very, very sick all around us. Everyone who worked at the organization knew somebody or had somebody in their family that was suffering. And it just seemed like we all needed to slow down <laughs> a lot um, and take breaks. And that wasn't really part of my mantra at all at, at the office before then. Now, you know, giving people the permission and the space to say, you know what, you've been on three hours of Zooms in a row. How about you just shut off the computer and go for a walk, yeah. you know, and really changing the the narrative about taking breaks during the day, uh, I, I think was probably the biggest thing that changed at Tipping Point. Um, and I always was saying to them, if I send you an email on a Sunday at 10 o'clock at night, it means that that's when I'm working because I might've had to run my mother or somebody to the hospital because you know, there was illness all around us. And to catch up, I might be working at 10 o'clock on Sunday, but I don't expect you to be working at 10 o'clock on Sunday. So we established this protocol on how we communicate and when we communicate. Hmm. And I think uh, we've tried to carry that forward as well, just making sure we're super clear that not everybody's on the same schedule anymore. That's one of the things that I think's changed since the, during the pandemic and has not changed after. That whole flex work environment isn't just about where you're working, it's when you're working. Mm -hmm. And 
Monday through Friday, yeah, is when the bulk of the work is being done. But people have kids they got to run around. You all know their kids up all night, you know, crying and whatever. You may need to be doing work at that hour because, you know, at three o'clock in the afternoon, you need a nap. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I would say that's probably the biggest. That's uh, powerful. Adjustment. And then it seems like um, it just... Uh, changing i think uh, normalizing um i guess that reflection I, that it sounds like you had to do and and we all did right and i think um i don't have e work email on my cell phone um after the pandemic for a reason um because i i realized that that was continuously where i would check and you would you say oh i'm only gonna check it for a minute 45 minutes later i, yeah. I put my head up and I'm like holy cow it's been 45 minutes later yeah. i was only supposed to check that for a minute um but that was really important for my mental health um, where I needed uh, that clear break between work and life. Um, and it was easy during the pandemic where I could go into the office and my computer was open. And then you, again, would just, hey, I'm just going to look at my, my email. I'll just check my calendar for tomorrow. And then you get sucked in. Uh, so I, I totally get what you're saying because I think I started to realize, hey, it's nice to do laundry during the day or some of these other things um, while I'm still being productive at work. Uh, because yeah. at the end of the day, we all still only have 24 hours in the day. So a lot of things. First, <laughs> Michelle, you said, yeah, every awesome leader Kevin and I have ever met, they all say the same thing. And the word fun, you know, it's like, what's your secret? And they're like, we make this fun. How do you make it fun around the office? What are, what are some of your, do you have any like go-tos yeah. that we can steal from you? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that I am the master of fun. Uh, I really count on my creative department to do that because what's fun to a 55 year old is not the same kind of fun for a 20, 30, even 40 year old. So, so I kind of have given up on trying to be the court jester in, in our office. And I leave it up to the people who are actually fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And and, and y'all do PR. That's always been so interesting to me, Michelle. What gets you out of bed in the morning nowadays? Like what what gets you going? Like what what is the next step for tipping point? Yeah, it's always growth. <laughs> for me, I wake up every morning and I'm like ready to go. Um and it's really about what is the next big um win we're gonna have for a client. So if we can help them grow, we're going to grow because of that. So it's, it's like, okay, how are we going to get this TikTok video into the hands of the, uh, the audience that this bank is trying to break into, you know, how do we develop a loyalty program or, um, a way to get customers coming back or leaving reviews or, um, from a PR perspective, what gets me up is the idea that more and more of our content can be, uh, can use AI to speed up the process and we can accomplish more and better work because we're tapping into technology to do it, um, at a higher level. Wow. 
I think you should say that again uh, for for Rochester, I think, um, and for for all businesses in leadership uh, right now is to celebrate some of the advancements in technology and AI and start to look on how we can use them simultaneously alongside a human at the end of the day. But to your earlier point, if we're, if, if they're bogged down in the ad administrative tactical work, that's not really why you're hiring there at Tipping Point Communications. You're hiring them for their creativity, their innovation, their insights, their ideas. And that yeah. sometimes if, if, if it's too um, labor intensive on, on the not fun stuff, uh, that's quickly where we, we, we say, is, is this really what I want anymore? Is this, is this what I enjoy? I wanted yeah. to go back to uh, one of the things that you said, because you said you wake up ready to go. Um, Tyler's one of those people that uh, strikes me up as wakes up ready <laughs> to go, right? What are you telling yourself? What is that morning affirmation or that daily intention that you are setting for yourself? Wow, that's a great question. I think it's just, you can do it. You can, you, it's very simple. Yeah. I, I, I have a mantra, you know, from, from my meditation practice, but that really doesn't tie to what I'm telling myself every day. It's more about, you know, calming the, the racket in my head because, mm -hmm. you know, there's always something going on uh, that I'm thinking about, but I think it's just, you can do this. You got this. Yeah. I love have fun it. With it. That's, and have fun. Yeah, yeah, and kind of I guess to dive a little bit deeper into to meditation. You talked about that first career of yours. You said I was making ungodly amount of money, the more probably more money than I ever thought. That was, I mean, I didn't have a lot of money in college, so my first job that I was making money it was like, oh my god, money, money, money. Um, but then I started to realize, and maybe again back to the pandemic and kind of that self reflection, I was forced off that hamster wheel. It started to, I guess. Um, look at happiness and look at uh, my energy and, and my self-reflection that money really wasn't what was bringing me happiness. When did you come to that same point? Because you talk about meditation, you, the, your health is your wealth. I can, I can tell Michelle. Um, and that's, that's very um, apparent from, from you being reflective and meditating and focusing on mental health and even normalizing the conversation to have some of that direct feedback with your employees tells me that You've done a lot of work on yourself. Um, Tyler said a lot of great leaders that we've talked to say they make it fun. I see it as, yes, they make it fun, but they know who they are as a person um, and are comfortable with that. When did you find yourself? When did you say money is not what makes me happy? Um, and these are the things that make me happy. Yeah, so about four and a half years ago, I went through a divorce. And um, as a business owner, you can imagine the complexity of the financial situation. Um, when you split assets like that. Um, so, you know, in essence, I had half of what I had, you know, two weeks before, right? And it was a real adjustment, um, uh, very humbling. You know, I had to sell some things I, you know, that I valued that were important to me. Uh, I had to change a lot of my shopping habits um, and my recreational habits. Um, and that is when I realized that I have enough I have enough 
Um, and uh, I don't need anything more, you know, I, I value more now than I ever have my family and the amount of time that I have with them. So I don't have my boys all week long. I only have them for three and a half days each week. So when I'm with them, I am with them. Um, and work became the backseat um, because I missed them so much on the days that I didn't have them. I wanted to make sure that I spent quality time with them. Same thing with my mom. You know, like I, I lost my stepdad around that same time. And those things really affected me and caused me to consider what's really important. And so long story short, it's quality time. It's all quality time. Um, I don't need anything else. I don't, you know, I don't need gifts. <laughs> I don't need to go buy anything. You know, I, I, we need groceries. Yeah. <laughs> I need a car that gets me from here to there. Uh, I do need a boat to sit and enjoy the water, but it doesn't need to be a big boat. It can be a small boat and I can still be just as happy. <laughs> That's amazing. I think that, I, thanks for sharing that story and um, walking us through kind of that journey that you you went through. And, and you said, I have enough. And I also sounded like that you were convincing yourself that you yourself were enough at the same time. And I think that that's a powerful, powerful moment um, and empowering uh, because I think Tyler, and I bring it up on almost just about every show, but sometimes you need those moments to really figure out who I, who I was. I was pretending. I, I think I was a chameleon. I was um, assuming what that other person wanted me to be and trying to be that, that perfect image. Um, and then you realize why I was exhausted at the end of the day. Uh, so I started yeah. to reflect and say, you know what, that's not me. Um, that's not who I am. Um, it feels like work. And Tyler's like, Kevin, you should just be yourself. It's okay. Have fun, laugh. You know, people take themselves way too seriously. And I really respect that about Tyler's because life is just more than work. And um, I think that I watched my father work himself. Uh, I, I thought that that's kind of the the male role within the house. And then I started to take steps back and say, okay, what 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 brings me happiness and what do what can I see myself doing? Um, so I I, I, I I can definitely share in that same reflection and and moment, but the when I felt the most empowered was when Kevin knew who he was. And could go into every situation and I wasn't changing. And then that was what made me feel better. And I wanted more of it. Um, but it required me to come out of my comfort zone, entering that learning zone, and really start to, to figure out more about the world and 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 the way I viewed things, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, man. I, once you start talking about quality, I, I'm all ears. You know, it's like... Well, how do you get more quality? Or what do you do in your quality time? How do you make it more quality? You know, I, I, I love it, you know. Um, and I wanted to ask you, Michelle, you said you mentioned meditation a few times. Um, what time of day do you find best to meditate? And how do you keep the discipline up? Like, I'm cool with like two days in a row. <laughs> it's like, now here's someone like you, uh, one of our leaders bring it up all the time. They're like, oh, I meditate every day at six in the morning. What, what, what are your best practices for discipline? And what time of day do you do it? Yeah, I am not disciplined at all. <laughs> at all. Hey. All right, we have a hope. We have hope. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, 
so I have a timer on my or, or an alert on my phone <laughs> that tells me at nine o'clock every morning I should meditate for 23 minutes. Um, I often just turn that notification off and then I do it when I know I need it. I do it when I can feel my heart start beating faster. I do it when I'm might be sad or frustrated. And I just in the moment take two or three minutes as opposed to uh, 23 minutes um, in the morning. Um, some on the weekends, I like to just sit up and do it right, right before I put my feet on the floor. But I, I do it when I need it. When you need it, that that's more my style, I think, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, but like, she's also got to be very in tune with herself, right? She said, yeah. "When my heartbeat right, like everybody else in the world is like, I can't even feel my heart beat beat normally, so I wouldn't even know what to look for when to say I need this, right?" And I, I think it's because you're very in tune with your body and, and some people are distracted and we're doing other things or not treating our body like a temple with some of the other things that we're doing to it. <laughs> um, but it seems like you you really know your body and are in tune with it and are listening to, to what your body is telling you that it needs. Yeah, I think that comes from yoga, honestly. I started that in my 20s wow. and I've always gone at least once a week but the more you do yoga, you just become so familiar with every aspect of your body that you know when you need a break hmm. or you, you should. I mean, that should be one of the outcomes of, of doing a practice that, like that. I wonder if we polled the audience how many people feel familiar with their own body right now and mind. That would be a good poll. Question. Oh, there you go. There's your opening question for the yeah. next. Uh, <laughs> are you familiar with your body? <laughs> How familiar are you? <laughs> Michelle, we, we always like to talk about, you know, failing forward, falling forward or whatnot. Um, I always like to ask our, 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 our CEOs, presidents, leaders on this show. What is, what's one weakness you're working on right now? Oh, um, there's a long list, uh, but the one that comes to mind is uh, patience. Um, I think my desire for um, excellent quality work um, can be a challenge for people to keep up with or meet my expectations. And I I really need to back off and let people get there in their own time. How have you made yourself comfortable at that empowerment moment? Because that is now where you're shifting your power, right? I'm, I like to control things. I like to make sure that they're done in a, a certain way and it's checked. But it's also a sense of that's where we're we're now great going into micromanagement, right? And we're, again, telling them what they need to do instead of, celebrating their collective intelligence the collaboration and and their their innovation themselves mm -hmm. how do you get yourself comfortable with that transition of power over to that next individual to to do it the way that they they see best right I, well i try to and of course this is what, what i'm working on i'm trying to just illustrate the outcome of where i want us to be and not dictate how to get Love there that. 
Love that. Uh, Illustrate the outcome. So what do you think your employees love most about you? <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, I, th- <laughs> I think the ones who I work closest with know that I'm committed and that I have their back. Um, I, I think the ones that I don't necessarily work with as close with day to day, I think that they know they can be confident that I'm going to make the right decisions for the business and that they can um, feel confident that I have their families in mind um, as we make decisions at the company. So I, I need to build a company that's going to thrive um, and sometimes that makes, I have to make hard decisions, mm-hmm. but they're made for the, for the collective benefit of the organization. I love it. And where, where do you get this super competitive, like mindset from? I, I, Kevin and I would know where you're, you're in a, you're in a like-minded group right here. <laughs> it's like, I don't leave this chair sometimes, you know, the sun goes down and it's cause I went in my way and I'm like, like you just said, I got to back up and I haven't even like voiced anything to people. I can just feel my energy from yeah. here to like across oh, yeah. to Plano to McKinney. I'm like, do people feel me right now? I've been apologizing to my, my coworkers lately. Yeah. We carry it in our face, you know? So I, I yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think when I can transition in that negative mindset, I can catch myself if I, if I am doing that reflection. And I, I know Michelle, you were talking about doing those reflections earlier, but I can catch myself when I'm in that negative snowfall, almost right. And it's like, oh my God, now the world is coming to an end, and then pretty much I have to stop and reflect and just say, okay, what am I grateful for? And it almost is that reset button for me. How do you reset? How do you reframe? How do you? adjust kind of in the moment um, to create that trust and those connections that you're talking about with your employees? Uh, I think it's about being present and um, breathing (laughs) a lot because if I'm coming in as the force that I know I can be, um, if I don't breathe, my whole essence is going to be on fire. <laughs> so, um, you know, so Tyler, the way you're just, des- you were describing it, like, that's how I feel inside a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's frightening to a lot of people. So I just really just need to chill. I need to bring my yoga with me into the office, I guess. And that's what I try to do. I try to bring that sense of calm and positivity and peace, gratitude uh, with me every day. Um, and awesome. People either like it or they don't. <laughs> yeah, and I find if I sweat, it's all good. Like some find a way to sweat is what I tell myself. Really? And like, yeah, like run. I got this bike that I've been hammering out here on the back on the patio. But that's where I come to find me feeling so like, dude, lay off. Like, that's when I feel like the, you know, we, yeah, there's this, this book called Power Now. I just got to dive into this. I've never read it, but that's what I am. I'm like, if I can do it now, I think everyone else should do it now. Why aren't we all doing it now? You know, and I, I work in a, in a competitive environment of, you know, speed to market. Um, but sometimes, you know, once, once I get some exercise in me, it's, I, I, 
I don't want to say I feel like an idiot, but my goodness, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's pretty close. It's like, you know, and I haven't even like voiced any of it, you know, it's just the, 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 the competitive nature. Yeah. Um, and I think I asked you to show where, where do you get that drive from? Did you grow up like before you hit the, the business school in Buffalo? Where- <laughs> I was always, you know, raising money for the Girl Scouts or raising money for a uh, I think I did some kind of dance-a-thon thing that I organized to raise money for, I don't know, anti-apartheid efforts. And I mean, like just crazy wow. things. That, so I was always leading something, uh, leading an effort to uh, build the student council um lounge for seniors in our high school yeah I was always driving some kind of change um and I think it came from my parents had a really strong work ethic but they were also uh involved in our local politics and and uh, but you know we have we lived on a farm and there was a lot of work to be done so get up get your work done and then you can you know kick back and relax the rest of the day so um I think that's where it all comes from. Powerful. And, and you talk about work ethic, because I think work ethic sometimes um, gets mixed up with with passion and purpose. Um, mm-hmm. Because sometimes I think we, we think somebody, your earlier point, you don't really know what that person's going through. And I hear it often uh, when uh, gener- other generations talk about millennials and then the Gen Z, just because they're different, it, it, they, you guys aren't, you guys have no work ethic. And it's this broad brush stroke across mm-hmm. the entire generation and it's and it's kind of you sit back and how, how do I not take offense to that right <laughs> you obviously don't know me you've never worked with me before I don't I don't I I don't understand um but I'm willing to have that conversation I think a lot of times when things are said somebody hears something like that and they shut down to stop having bi-directional communication how have you seen um, with your team, uh, given the kind of the hybrid and remote and, and this flexible work schedule, what have what changes have you seen in the communication between just your peers? Um, have you noticed that you actually still need to see people or is it better to see facial expressions? What types of learning have you seen internally that now you're taking externally, maybe for some of your partners to educate them on and how to reconnect with some of these generations from a market perspective, yeah. During uh, the pandemic, we uh, instituted a you know cameras on every day um, mentality. So even in our client meetings, you know, oh, you know, Lucy, I I can't see you today. Is everything okay? You know, <laughs> oh, oh, let me turn my camera on. So making sure that we're still connecting visually with each other, I think, helps because you have no idea. Um, uh, from a tone of voice, how someone's doing. So, so, you know, anytime we're doing training or, uh, working with clients, we're really, you know, beating the drum of, you know, keeping that, that facial, mm-hmm. um, connection with each other. Um, I think with the generations that you were talking about what I'm noticing, and I think because I have younger kids. So I have a senior in high school and their value system is totally different than ours. Um, But that doesn't mean he's not a hard worker. He just works differently 
Um, and I, I think we just all have to respect that not everybody's like us <laughs> and we need to know what their value systems are um, and, and take the time to, if, if you don't talk about it, at least try to observe what's important to those that we're working with um, and honoring those differences because it, it doesn't mean that they're not working any less or less passionately than we are. They're, they're just different. Um, and the, if everyone was like us, the world would be a very boring place. It'd be boring. Yeah. Boring. And we'd probably all kill each other, right? Because yeah. we can't all be type A's, you know. We'd all look like stormtroopers, probably. All the same outfit. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity of, of you know, every aspect of a being, I think, is important to have in a workplace so that you can have that um have those differences um, elevated and recognizable so that it, it benefits the entire group. Now what you're you're talking about the holy grail of diversity, equity, inclusion and, and belonging there. Um, but it it takes an environment for that to to happen, right? Uh, organically yeah. almost. Um, what are you as diversity, equity, inclusion, something that you're passionate about? And what are some of the things that you guys, I guess, have 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 started to do at Tipping Point? Mm -hmm. So we do have um, a DEI committee, uh, but in all honesty, it's one of those things where, you know, we were off to a pretty good start. Um, we got involved in uh, our MAPI um, as part of a United Way connection. And um, what we've done is we've had a couple co-ops with uh, MCC, our community college, uh, to expose individuals who have never heard of or seen what it's like to work at an ad agency. So giving them the opportunity to co-op and work in this environment uh, exposes them to a, a, a new career path mm -hmm. that even if they don't take the career path, they could talk to someone else about the career path. So we, we've done a little bit of that. Um, I would say it's an area that we need to focus more on in terms of recruiting. Um, you know, our next positions that we have available, how can we um, recruit from populations that may not know a lot about um, the marketing business and do we have the capacity to do more training? I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's yeah. not for lack of desire. Yeah. I think the wonderful opportunity for your Gen Zers there. I think they, they love to teach others and I think that they love to teach others what they learn and they feel like they're arming others with skills and opportunities. I, and again, DE&I is not easy work and it just takes the commitment. But hearing you um, go to the schools tells me how proactive your organization is in, in piquing the interest in your industry. Um, and Tyler and I, he, he's on the talent acquisition and, and recruiting side, and I'm on the human capital side on how we retain that talent and hopefully not need a Tyler to pay Tyler's rates for all that talent that we can get <laughs> a little bit organically. But um 
you need to be that proactive. So hearing you say that is, yeah. is, is really how you make a difference because a lot of people I think took the PR route and just threw it up on their website um, without mm -hmm. any action. Um, and really kind of that false bag of goodies um, was sold. And then they're surprised when the diversity uh, as quick as it enters leaves. So um, because they really haven't created that in conducive environment, that trusting environment or safe environment for, for those additional benefits to diversity to take place. Ty, what do you got? Michelle, I got, I, so you were talking about those rock bands and Boomer Esiason. We got to go back to your Ohio days. I, this has been, <laughs> okay. I've wanted to ask you this for about 30 minutes now. Okay. Did you ever meet any of the nasty boys on the Reds in the 90s? <laughs> No, I did not meet the nasty boys, though. No. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, but I, I had a girlfriend who dated one of the Reds, so yeah. <laughs> so you know about the Rob Dibble and the nasty boys then. All right. Well, what, 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 uh, can you share like a fun story you had from those days? Like, I gotta know something about these. No, I was gonna ask, like, the coolest person that she met. She was just rattling them off. And yeah, I was she like, was like, oh, you know, just some bad. <laughs> uh -huh. When you're no, saying them by their first name, that's that's how Boomer came in. I'm like, Boomer Esiason's just chilling at your radio station. What, what was, do you have any awesome stories that you like tell your kids about or, or, Okay, are you allowed to tell these stories? I don't think I am allowed to tell a lot of these <laughs> I will tell even better. <laughs> I will tell you that we used to go out in a pack. There was about six to eight girls that we whenever we got tickets, we all went together. And my in terms of in terms of great energy, I loved uh Sarah McLaughlin. She was Very just exuded um so much uh, positivity and energy. Um, you know, Cheryl Crow was also another one that was just an, an aura of of cool, yeah. right? Um, yeah, there there were just a, most of the time it was just a a, a big party, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. a lot of fun. Yes, I can't say I was yes. inspired during those days it was just i had a great time awesome awesome michelle well it's been great meeting you and <laughs> I, I i'm excited to uh, follow y'all on i guess linkedin now and you'll get a bunch of likes from us you know going oh, well, forward thank you thank yeah, you yeah absolutely appreciate but uh, i appreciate it i've had a blast i gotta i gotta jump here soon but i just wanted to say thanks for jumping on with us for this uh i guess breakfast break We'll call this. Yeah. We usually we usually have a lunch or a brunch with our our, our uh, guests, but this was a good way to start my day. I know that. All right, namaste. 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that. Thanks so much, Michelle. All kidding aside, thanks so much for saying yes to joining us on the show, um, and continuing to make that difference in the individual lives of your employees there, as well as the community. Um, I know you're really making a difference, and your help communicating out some of these brands and some of these things that we should be learning about. Um, is amazing. Um, giving some of the small small people and bigger voices is is just what we need to to do in order to change our perspective and our opinions. So I appreciate all the work that you're doing, and thanks again for being on a great guest on Time Out with Leaders. Thanks for your time and inviting me. Have a great day.